Good morning, everyone. Nice to see you guys. I just had the most um, whirlwind of a trip. I was in Montreal for a day and a half. And, yeah, why? Who goes to Montreal for a day and a half? This guy. Uh, and I was uh, teaching at a conference up there. We taught 10 studies in a day and a half, uh, a panel, a workshop. I ate two meals. I think I slept a total of maybe eight hours in the last three days. So, um, my eyes bloodshot, anybody? <laughs> no? Okay. Um, but so because of, I knew that this was coming up, uh, we decided to do something a little different this morning. Uh, and so I'm going to talk about that and kind of introduce the morning. But um, something that the Lord has really been convicting us about in the, in the last, I guess, five to eight years is we really want to be a church who believes the gospel and is rooted in the Bible and the biblical text, but we also want to be a church that is uh, doing social justice and doing good. And, you know, this came about, I think, for me, just reading the Bible again and again and again. I grew up in a church that really just focused on the New Testament a lot. And what we would talk about often was righteousness in the New Testament. And so much of the a lot of the teaching about righteousness in the New Testament, was I supposed to dismiss students? <laughs> students, you are dismissed. There we go. I'm on it this morning. Um, but so much of the talk of righteousness in the New Testament has to do with the imputed righteousness of God. And that's a beautiful thing, that we are unrighteous, we are ungodly, and yet God, who is rich in mercy and wants us to be part of his kingdom and part of the renewal that he's working in the world, has sent Jesus to purchase that righteousness for us in the cross and, and impart it to us. And that's a beautiful thing. But if you look, really, Genesis to Revelation, there is this huge theme that righteousness and justice are part of the character of God. Uh, righteousness and justice, Psalm 89 says, are the foundation of his throne. And as you look through the law and the prophets, and I believe even into the New Testament, what you find is God has a bleeding heart for those who are weak, for those who are poor, for those who are disenfranchised. And he teaches that his people are to follow that heartbeat, that they are to uh, be involved in righteousness and justice, and they're supposed to make his way and his character known in all the earth so others can see the gracious character of our God and can come to him and receive his love and mercy. And so, if you've been coming here for, you know, I don't know, the last eight, five to eight years, you know that this is a theme that comes again and again and again. It's not about getting your sins forgiven and going to heaven when you die. It's about becoming the people of God, bearing the image of God. Now, a few years ago, I can't remember how many now, our church was involved in something called Operation Christmas Child. How many of you guys have done that in different churches you've been part of? Yeah. There's another ministry called Angel Tree. We did that too because we want to do kindness. We want to we show the kindness of God. We want to be stretched in generosity, you know, and so we would do those things and, you know, thank God for those people who have built these ministries to uh, kind of enable the church to do these things. But what we felt at that time, the leaders felt is, man, we're kind of missing our neighbor, our local neighbor, you know, and it's great to do, you know, to send gifts to Africa. It's great to send gifts to India during Christmas time to show the love of Jesus. But what about people in our city? What about people in our county? Um, and at this time, um, 
there's a woman in our church, Katie Flynn, and she's a social worker. And so I went to her one day, and I was just like, hey, do you know of maybe five foster families that, that you work with who are just in need during the holidays that we could just, we could just love on? She was like, absolutely I do. Yes, yeah. And I was like, can you get me those names and, and let us know what they want. We don't want to know what, just what they need. We want to know what they want because we want to bless them with the same kind of blessing that God has given us through Jesus. We want to overwhelm them with kindness. And so we got this opportunity as a church. We did this initiative called Give. And you guys, maybe you remember this, and we did it for a number of years, where we got these names and we got these wants and we just blessed these families. And one of the coolest things that happened, uh, because we didn't actually get to uh, personally connect with these families, but we got to connect with the social workers. And it was so beautiful um, as they were receiving these gifts, they just began to be overcome with emotion uh, they were thinking about the families that they're going to be giving these gifts to, but they were just like, I remember one in particular guy that was there. He just said, "Who are you?" I said, "You know, wh- why are you doing this? You don't know these families. This, you know, it was just didn't make sense to them." And so it was an opportunity just to talk about the gospel, the great love of our God, and how he gave us the greatest gift in Jesus. So it was an opportunity to connect with those social workers. It was an opportunity to support them. And it was an opportunity to do justice, to do righteousness, to do goodness in our city. And that has been building. We did that for a number of years. And then somebody in our midst let us know about this ministry called Royal Family Kids. Hey, if you guys care about foster kids, then you guys should care about, maybe you would care about this. And then we started doing Royal Family Kids. And now you guys know we've been talking about Care Portal and this new opportunity that's been kind of dropped in our lap. And now Britain and a few others here are involved in Foster the Bay. All that to say, you guys, God has brought this opportunity to us. We often talk about, how, you know, God, what are you doing and how can we be a part of it? How can we get into what you're doing? And I just want to say, as one of your pastors, this is one of those opportunities. God is working. God is on the move in our city. He's giving us opportunity, all the churches, through foster care. And he's inviting us to join in him. And so join with him in that. And so we're going to hear from Britain about the different opportunities and about what God is doing and kind of a little bit about the needs in our county this morning. And I just hope and I pray that you will have ears to hear what the Spirit would say to you, what, how God would move on your heart. We, we say this often, you can't do everything. And that's not what God is calling you to do. But what's one thing that you can do? And I pray that you would have ears to hear that this morning as we listen uh, and hear from Britain. So Britain, why don't you come up and make us laugh, make us cry, all the things you always do. Thank you so much. Thank you. Will you pray for yeah, us absolutely. and me specifically really quick? Yeah. This kind of hit me. <laughs> Lord, we just thank you, God. I thank you so much for Britain, Lord, and just for, Lord, how you've been doing this with her. Lord, you have brought her into what you're doing, Lord. And um, I think about the words of Job when he says, he knows the way that I take. And Lord, even when, Lord, the path that you have called us to, Lord, is darkened, the way ahead is unknown, we just have no idea what you're doing, God, but you know. You know, and you're faithful, God, to lead us 
to green pastures. Lord, you're faithful to lead us in opportunities to grow in Christ's likeness, to grow in good works in those opportunities. And so I thank you, Lord, for the way that Britain has followed your heart and, Lord, that she is, the way that she's leading the charge in so many ways uh, in these ministries, God. And I pray, Lord, this morning, God, that you would anoint her, speak through her, and, Lord, minister to us, build us up, Lord, in order that we might be sent out, Lord, to do your work. And, God, we just pray, Lord, for, Lord, those lives Lord, the many children who are in foster care. And we pray, Lord, that through our efforts, God, by the work of your spirit, Lord, that they would come to know the great love of our God. Lord, that they also would be adopted into your family and they would be part of the forever family of God. Lord, we're looking to you, God. We believe, Lord, that you can do great and marvelous things that we cannot comprehend, Lord. So our eyes are on you, Lord. Speak and work this morning, we pray. Amen. 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 When you love a microphone, you, you need people to pray for you, just like a caveat to this. Okay. Um, my name's Britton Kendall. I know so many of you. So many of you know a lot about me, so I'm really sorry if this morning is, like, redundant for you. Um, but hopefully we'll have fun along the way. Um, that's why I brought balloons. I was like, maybe they'll leave and think they had a good time <laughs> if there's balloons. Um, Char literally asked, why balloons? I was like, it's an object thing. It'll, it'll work out. Um, I, I, I love Jesus. I, met, I gave my life to Jesus when I was 18 years old. Um, I moved to California from Oregon and met Todd met Todd Kendall. Um, he and I got married uh, three years later. We've been together for 18 years. We've, I've been married for 15. We've been married for 15. Um, we've had no kids of our own, um, and for 15 years we've just loved Jesus and loved the people in church and followed the Lord on, on a crazy roller coaster, um, is what it feels like to me. I don't know what it feels like for him. Um, but, uh, I've been a deacon here for a number of years. I did, should have written that, that down. Um, and also, um, we've been foster parents for two years. Um, I thought, you know, if you don't know me at all, you probably should know something. Um, before I start, there's a card in your seat this morning. I did this two years ago. We're doing it again this morning. There's many, many things on this card. We're going to talk about three ministries, uh, three parachurch ministries at Refuge Christian Fellowship. And this is really clear because um, I did it, and it's clear and concise. Right? <laughs> anyway, um, and I just want to point out, like, the word I'm interested. This is not... Nobody's asking you or forcing you to do anything you don't want to do <laughs> this morning. I'm not telling you you should be something that you don't feel called to be. I'm not trying to convince you to do anything. However, all of us can do something, and I'm going to invite you into foster care. I'm going inv to tell you what some of the needs are. I'm going to encourage you that you might be the right person for the job, and here are some of the opportunities that exist. This is for us to follow up. You're going to get an email if you check one of these boxes. Um, and then also, as I talked this morning, um, I'll let you know about the people who can answer questions after church. Okay, 
Four years ago, Todd and I went to our first foster care informational meeting, and it was at Valley of the Moon Group, Valley of the Moon Group, Group Home, Valley of the Moon Group Home. We showed up, we sat down, I looked around, I was like, I, there's like 25 people there. I was like, I want to live with zero of these people. <laughs> That's, that was my first reaction. We, Todd and I were like, we don't want to adopt. We don't want to do fertility. We hadn't had our own kids. We didn't want to adopt. We didn't want to do fertility treatments. We didn't, we didn't know what we wanted to do, but we heard about this thing called foster care. We're like, let's get some more information. We go to the informational meeting, and we look around, we say, we would like to live with none of these people, zero of them. And um, at that same informational meeting, um, a teenager got up and talked about the needs of teens in our county and um, some of the uh, statistics of teenagers who age out of foster care in our county. And actually, let's, um, can you put up the numbers slide? Um, Numbers. So foster, there's lots of numbers in, in foster care, and, but maybe math speaks to you in a special way. So let's look at some of the math. 74% um, of prison inmates were once in foster care. That's, that's shock. Are you shocked? You should be shocked. Okay. Less than 3% of foster youth will earn a college degree. That, that's also shocking. It, um, kids in foster care can go to the JC for free. And there's still, there's 3% that are going on to earn a college degree. Okay, 71% of girls who age out, that means leave foster care without a family. We leave foster care without having a personal, uh, uh, permanent placement in a family. Um, who age out will be pregnant by the age of 21. Um, one out of two children who age out of foster care will develop a substance dependence. One out of two, 50%. Only 50% of foster youth who age out will be employed at age 24. Half of them don't have jobs at age 24. Um, up to 33% of youth become homeless after aging out. 60% um, of tra sex trafficking victims from like a really large FBI bust um, were uh, found to have at one time been in the foster care system. So um, maybe, maybe foster care isn't like your heart throb, but Maybe you see homelessness and um, drug addiction in our county. Maybe there's other areas in our county where you, your heart just goes, how, how can I make a difference? What, what am I missing about the gospel and how it could um, change lives? Um, this is the upstream. This is where, this is where it starts. Um, three years ago, um, I, was, I felt really, really stuck. And um, I was wondering what God was doing in my life. And um, our dog died. We had a dog for 13 years, and she died. And our house just never felt so empty. And um, I quit my job, um, and Todd was laid off in the same week. And a few months later, um, we were visiting my parents, and nothing, not, nothing had improved. And um, my dad, my parents um, aren't Christians, but my dad was like, he waited a day, and then he was like, so what's next, guys? You know, what, what's going to happen next? And I was really bitter. I was really bitter and upset, and I said, I don't know, Dad. Maybe it'll get worse. That's, that's what I said to my father. 
And my dad said, you know, Britton, you and Todd are going to be okay. And it's not because you're awesome and employable and smart, but it's because of your faith. And I was like, I was kind of, I was angry. I was still, I was like, really, God? Like, from, out of my dad's mouth, um, we're going to be okay because of our faith. Well, um, he was right that next week, I think, the, um, the Underwoods came and said, you know, if you could, if Refuge is doing give, and you guys care about kids and care, you should be doing Royal Family Kids Camp. That, those were his, like, exact words. And I saw it, and I went, I am doing this. Like, with everything in me just went, I, am, I can't become a foster parent because our job situation and our house and our this, and I can't make these steps forward, but this I can do. I can go to camp. And I stood up just like I am now in front of our congregation. I said, I'm going to go do this, but I, I'll do it alone, but I don't want to do it alone. And um, seven, seven of you came with me. And... Um, we just so happened to have uh, the Wittens with us this morning, and Jesse is um, one of the, Jesse and Ashley served that summer, and um, Jesse is going to come up and share um, just a story about um, people in need and who is qualified to help. And um, the reason, I mean, it's obvious why bringing Jesse up, but um, this particular moment in his life, everything was also changed, too, There's this, this summer. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Well, good morning. Yeah, hang out. Well, good morning. I'm super happy to be back here, and it just, you know, God works in crazy ways, and we're happy to be here this week, and I get the opportunity to talk about something that uh, means a lot to me. As uh, I really love how Burton and Char kind of just painted the picture of uh, where we were as a body, where a lot of us were as individuals, wanting to help in our community, uh, kind of asking God, what's next? Um, me and my wife went kind of on our own uh, journey of trying to figure out, hey, God, what would you have us do? Not really sure. And uh, we had gone to Colorado. We had served in a pro-life ministry. We had just come back uh, to Sonoma County and uh, working as a police officer here in this county. Uh, I just saw, you know, a ton of homelessness, a ton of drug addiction, a ton of problems, and I'm like, man, how do we help as a church? And, and as, a, as a police officer, a lot of times you're just kind of fixing it for the day. It's like, this is going to work for now. That's it. Uh, but no, no permanent long-term uh, fixes. And so we were sitting in church, and Britton got up and did it a little bit different than this morning. She didn't invite us to come and be a part of Royal Family Kids. She told us that we were going to be part of Royal Family Kids and was like, you will in some way, shape, or form be part of this ministry. Whether you agree to pray, you will show up and be a counselor, you will help provide some sort of facilitating part, something. You're going to do it. I'm doing it. We're all going. Let's go. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. Um, you know, and, and through that process of being a part of that camp, um, God really opened my eyes to the real need, uh, particularly in this county, and how foster care is such a direct line to opening, to having people's hearts open to the gospel, and to really making an impactful change, not only for today, but for obviously eternity. Um, you don't get a more captive audience than a foster kid. Uh, you don't get a more raw need than with a foster kid. Um, and that began to, my eyes began to get open to that uh, as I worked, as I uh, worked alongside Tom and Donna, Hector, and other people in the county. Um, a story in particular that I think I've told uh, here in front of everybody when I was yelling at a bunch of guys to be counselors for RFK a couple years ago. I was like, do it. Um, 
was, uh, and so if you've heard this, I apologize again. I don't want to be redundant, but I think uh, the truth in it is, is powerful. Um, I was uh, arresting a young man uh, in Santa Rosa and uh, early 20s. Uh, he'd been involved in gangs. Uh, I was arresting him for a felony offense. He was going to be probably going for something uh, very serious. Uh, he was in the back seat of the car. And we just began to talk, as uh, sometimes I tend to do with people who are stuck in the backseat of my car. They're captive. They can't go anywhere. So, you know, <laughs> they have to talk to me. Um, and uh, he started sharing some of his story about uh, foster care and how he had been in and out of foster homes. And uh, I started sharing with him, you know, my interest in uh, helping in foster care. Uh, at the time, I had looked at uh, fostering two boys. And so I had said, you know, this is something we, me and my wife are looking at doing, and this is something I really care about. And he said something to me, and he said, man, I wish you could go back in time and that you could foster and adopt me. And I'm like, okay, you know, uh, you're in the backseat of my car. I am your antagonist in this moment. I'm taking you to jail, um, and I'm the, uh, I'm the person that you think would be a good situation for you. And I, it really just opened my eyes to the idea that there's no one there's no one, there's not a person uh, available for these people and for these kids. And so, uh, you know, a lot of times I know as a, as a cop, when you get to people who are adults that have been living in this uh, lifestyle, whether it's drugs or, uh, you know, some sort of other abuse, it feels kind of helpless like, man, only a miracle could come in and, and change this. Uh, and it feels like uh, you're kind of in a, at an uphill battle and it doesn't seem a quick fix. But if you can intersect with someone before they make a lot of those life choices, you can really just change the trajectory of their life. Um, and so in foster care, you really have that opportunity. You have an opportunity to meet kids who are in desperate need. Uh, and, and we talked about, Britain was saying, who's qualified? I'm not, but I am because I showed up. Uh, and so that's the same thing that I would encourage all of you with. Uh, you may be thinking, well, I've got kids, I'm busy with a job, I've got, I'm in a time of transition, uh, you know, I don't know what I could do that would be helpful. Uh, there's a lot, and I know that Britain's going to talk about all the different opportunities, and I'm going to kind of take a page out of her book. Uh, you should be doing this, like, not maybe, or like, uh, you know, if it works out, like, you should be doing something in this. Uh, it is our calling as believers in Christ to do something. Uh, and so, again, it may look different for each individual, for each family, and what that involvement is, but you should be doing something. It is a very real need, and if you want to be impacted uh, by, by God's power, you can actually see the change and impact that you're having in real time, which does not always happen. Sometimes we do things that we don't know what kind of impact that will have. Um, but, uh, you know, I've been fortunate in my own life to see uh, real change and real uh, real life change and real difference happen uh, with kids uh, in my life um, and in my own life. Uh, I, you know, I started this journey thinking I was going to just help people. Uh, I have a daughter that I would have never had uh, had I not been involved in foster care and if Britain had not gotten up and uh, encouraged us to do this. And so I'm asking you to do the same uh, with one of these ministries. It is a real opportunity, not only for you guys to bless uh, a child and make a real difference in their life, but it really uh, changes your whole life as well, uh, and I can speak to that, so yeah, that's what I got, so thank you guys. Thank you. He's the best. He's the best. Um, 
just in case you haven't heard, Royal Family Kids is a camp and mentorship program. Um, it's a camp that's free for kids in care in our county. Um, in some cases, camp can be the only consistent thing over time for kids in care if they're bouncing from home back to um, being in care. Um, also, many of us have the experience that camp can change your life. You know, one week at camp can change your life forever. And what Jesse was mentioning about traje trajectory, we talk about that in Royal Family Kids, how we're just kids are on this trajectory towards those terrible statistics and no hope, and we're just trying to move that that trajectory just the littlest bit so it, that there's a whole other opportunity in life. And um, the other huge thing in, from my perspective about Royal Family Kids is that, you know, kids might leave care without a family, but if they get introduced to God while they're in care, they, they have access to the family of God when they when they leave, when they become of age and they get to choose whether or not they go to church. And so if they can have positive experiences with the people of God while in care, maybe they'll enter the church when they have the choices um, before them in their adult life. Um, we Just like a side note, um, there are still kids from camp that are without families. And I'll, I'll mention specifics about that later, but um, kids that we go, went to camp with the last few summers, um, there's, there's always a few without, without families right now. Um, okay. Uh, you guys, so we, we, went, we went to the info meeting, and everybody did so much to help us become foster certified. It took us two years from that time we went to our first meeting to when we got foster care certified. And we... Um, uh, the, the, the Wittens talk about this too. In order for them to make steps towards foster care, people supplied actual real items to them and intervened at that point in time when they said yes, people provided stuff to their home so that they could say yes to foster care. Um, we also, um, because of this, I'm transitioning into talking about Care Portal. That's why it's so weird. Um, <laughs> because of Give, because of what Char was talking about with Give, it was really easy this last year when we heard about Care Portal. So Care Portal is a portal. Um, no, a Care Portal is, uh, I wrote it down so I could just read it. It's an online platform that brings the needs of hurting children and families in your community to directly to our attention. And um, caseworkers uncover the needs, post them online, and Care Portal makes the local church is aware of it, giving us real-time opportunities to respond. Um, Care Portal, as we announced last week, launched um, in our county two weeks ago, and um, seven churches are participating. And the hope, that, I want you to catch the vision of this, because the hope is that there are many, many churches in, in all of the cities in our county um, participating in Care Portal, and that when social workers list needs of families, that, that the churches would be meeting needs for families within, you know, a stone's throw of their actual physical buildings, which would mean in the future that we would be meeting the needs of families in Roseland or surrounding these schools and surrounding our area. And that's, I mean, even that for our modern church is, 
is a huge impact for us to start to have access to meeting the needs in our actual direct um, community is awesome. The other thing is this, uh, it was a huge deal for Care Portal to come to our area. Um, the county had, we have a Care Portal and the churches in the county have like an actual partnership where we all put money in to, to have access to this product. And um, the county's invested. And um, the launch event meeting that we went to uh, two weeks ago was down, um, it was held at a hotel. And there were multiple churches there, seven churches represented. There was um, county workers and um, the head of the county, uh, was there and we shared about how excited they are about this and the churches are amped and excited about meeting um, physical needs for families. Can you show the next slide? This is what Care Portal looks like online. Those are, this is our county and those are the seven churches, um, <laughs> not of the, not in the, not of Revelation, but um, uh, can you show the next slide? This is what needs look like online, and this is public to anybody. So you can go on to careportal.com and view open requests, the upper right-hand nav navigation, and you'll see, if you search by Sonoma County, the current needs in our county that have been listed by social workers. And this is real-time live. And um, we've only had a few needs um, posted, and the churches have been so quick to respond. And so Hessel and the Bridge have already responded to needs and started um, meeting needs that have been posted. It is really, really exciting to see. Um, a lot of the, these first needs, um, it could be as simple as like a weighted blanket for a kid who's um, in, in special therapy and they need um, something like that. Sometimes um, a a family is moving back in together and they have nothing and so it's for like kitchen supplies the really basic um, tangible um, life-changing uh, needs and they're all pre-vetted by social workers so we know um, that there are things that the family actually needs um, <laughs> Catherine Carey and Katie Flynn will be available after service to answer any questions about Care Portal. Catherine Carey is going to be our main admin. Um, on your checklist, if you'd like to receive notifications about item, uh, like when there's opportunities to make donations, um, please check the checkbox and put your email on this card. You know, we don't just, as a church, we don't even though we have your email in some cases, we don't just use that to blast you with a bunch of stuff. We need you to opt in for things that you want to be notified about. So um, care, care portal specifically for donating items, we definitely need you to opt in in order to receive notification about that. Okay, so Todd and I, we, we eventually do get certified and become foster parents and um, we had our very first placement um, last summer. And it's so last summer? The summer before that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It matters tremendously. Um, <laughs> a year and a half ago, a year and a half ago. Um, so <laughs> uh, our first, we, uh, we have what we call a sibling set in foster care. We had siblings move in with us. Todd and I went from not being parents to all of a sudden being parents. And we lasted 22 days. Um, we, these kids, I, this is really painful to talk about. I'm going to try not to just burst into tears. But 
um, we, our first placement, kids looked like us, right? They looked like Todd and I. Todd and I have never been parents. We have kids that look like us living in our home. And it becomes very apparent, like within the first seven days, that we are not a good fit um, for the needs that these children have. Um, just like a, we needed a bigger house, like really practical things. They couldn't share a room. We needed a, a bigger house than what we had. Um, if you want to hear all the reasons we weren't a good fit, I'd be happy to tell you, but um, you're just going to have to trust me for the moment. Um, people threw us a baby shower. I bought pajamas for them. We, Hector and Sonia came over the night before at midnight and set up bunk beds in their room. Like, this was like... Um, you know, intimate and personal and hopeful from the very, very beginning that we said yes. And, and Todd was home all 22 of those days, and we, every single day, we were like, we cannot do another day. At the end of that, um, I was a mess. It, it ended badly. I was devastated. Um, if you'd have told me that that was going to go the way that was going to go, if you just said, Britton, you're going to have kids in your house, it's not going to go well, and you're going to have to take them back. I would have said, I would have rather died. Let me tell you, I would have rather died than have experienced that. It felt public. It felt like failure. It was impossibly hard. We're still, we're, we're still hurt. Like, we're still, we still don't feel great about it. Um, I asked Hector um, at the end of it, I said, what was this? What did we just experience on a scale of 1 to 10 of what happens in foster care? And he said, this is like an 8. Like you, and I felt like a little better. I was like, oh, like, okay, at least it was not a four. You know, like maybe I could do this again. And at the same time, you know, I kind of used myself as an example. I was like, if, if, we, if we can't do that, like how is anybody else going to be able to do this? If we were this hopeful, this supported, how is anybody else going to do this? I want to, before I move on, I want to talk about the narrative around failure and success in foster care. Because I think in order for us to be successful, we need, this needs to change a little bit for us as a church. And um, true failure is not trying. Tr true failure is not having conv any convictions and taking the gift of God's grace and burying it in the ground and doing nothing. That's, that's true failure. And true failure is living your life for yourself alone. That's, that's what real failure looks like. Trying to help hurting people and it not going as pl you planned, that's not failure. That's, that's just, that might just be life. Like, that, that might just be how it goes. Um, uh, there's this uh, author, I was supposed to write down his full name. I had to put JJ, but I think it's Jason Johnson. Um, he wrote about his foster care experience. He said, I try to think that success is doing it in the first place, but not necessarily any outcomes we can produce. At least that's what helps me sleep at night. <laughs> so it's, that's dark, but okay. Um, here's the reality of our first placement too. They were in care for eight months. That's the whole duration that they were in care. And we had them for 22 days. And we rode the boat for 22 days. Here's, when I think back to like what, I, I was actually trying to understand if what, what we could have had in order to do eight months. And literally, this is the list that, that I 
have come up with, we, we could have moved to a new house. It would have been another $1,000 a month for an extra bedroom. Um, I would have needed an evening nanny every day for at least three months, like, that, to survive. Um, uh, we would have needed a respite family, a f another family that was foster care certified that could have taken children for like a week or we a whole weekend. That I really think we could have done eight months under those circumstances. I, I don't know if as a church we'll, uh, that's my hope is that we'll get to the point where we would be able to help troubleshoot for families if things aren't going well to create stability for kids long term because it, they needed stability. They needed stable adults who would say yes to them and be consistent over time. And it was devastating to not be able to be that for them. Okay, so how will anybody else do? I asked Hector on the phone. I said, Hector, how do you talk people into this? He said, that's the million dollar question, Britain. I was like, okay, all right. And I found out that most foster parents quit within the first year, 50%. 50% of foster parents don't, don't do it after the first year. Um, the one thing that changes that statistic is supportive communities and support friends. And um, so we talked about Royal Family Kids and we talked about Care Portal. And then here, here we're going to talk about Foster Bay. Here's more balloons. I knew it. I knew. I lost my thing. I tied you testaments to the bottom of them. So. All right, Foster Bay. So Char, I was telling Char about this. I was like, if in order, I was terrified that the 30 of you that have gone to Royal Family Kids Camp would come back and want to foster. And then that you would have experiences like me where you were overwhelmed and felt like not enough and un under supported, even though you were supported. And what would we do as a church? Just watch you? Just watch you fail? Just watch you struggle? And Char mentioned that he had a pastor friend who participated in something called Foster the Bay. And so we reached out to Foster the Bay um, about a year ago and we s and looked at all their materials. Um, Foster the Bay is a coalition of churches committed to providing a lovely, a loving home, a lovely, lovely, loving home for children and for all children in foster care. Um, the vision for Foster the the bay is that there will be a list of families waiting for kids instead of a list of kids waiting for homes. And Hector's told me that in 20 years he's never never seen that anywhere in the Bay Area. There's always more kids than homes. Um, Foster the Bay started four years ago, and there's now a hundred church, close to 100 churches in the Bay Area um, who are um, part of wanting to raise up foster parents and so along with support friends. So we saw this model and we said, yes, that's what we need. We need not just one family saying, uh, we're going to be heroes and save the day, but like, oh, we're going to try to be like Christ and we're going to put our trust in him and we need support. And so um, the model for Foster the Bay is that one family, for every family that says, we want to try to be foster parents, we raise up four support friends to, to support them. And support could look like meals and housekeeping, babysitting, transportation and encouragement, um, att attending court appointments. It also could look like providing house cleaning once a month by just paying for house cleaning. Or um, depending on the needs of the family, it, it could look like respite, it could look like um, whatever kinds of needs the family has and whatever you have to offer as a support friend. Um, 
foster the Bay. There, there's 14,000 churches in the Bay Area, and there's 7,000 kids in care. So, again, if you're into math, y- the math is pretty easy. Like, this is a meetable need from, from the church. There are 230 churches in Sonoma County, and um, g- the county, I mean, if even a fraction of those, if 10 or 20% of those churches raised up one foster parent, it would drastically change the landscape of what social workers are dealing with on a daily basis. Uh, it would make placements better. They'd have more options. Kids would spend way less time in group homes. Um, it, so I called Hector yesterday, and um, as of October 17th, these are needs in our county here, right, right here. So um, there are 17 kids, as of three days ago, in need of homes. Um, Ten of those are boys, and seven of them are girls. Um, Six of them are teens out of 17. Um, There are two sets of siblings out of the 17 kids. Um, Three, at least three of these kids have um, been to RFK camp. Um, Royal Family Kids, we send 120 volunteers, and there's three kids looking for homes. Um, Eight out of the 17, okay, so eight out of the 17 kids in need of homes have no options, meaning they were presented at a meeting, there was no, there's no homes, there's no beds, there's no place to put them, so it's possible they could be sent out of the county. So when we talk about like loving our neighbor, and this is a huge thing, um, it's one of Foster the Bay's core values. Um, when we talk about lo- loving our neighbor, um, that's part of this vision is that we don't want kids to be sent out of area. Sonoma County has less kids sent out of area than the other counties in the Bay Area, but we, we want no kids sent out of our area. We want these kids to stay in their schools and stay connected to any family positive influences that they possibly have. And when they're sent out of area, it, is, it adds trauma to trauma. Okay. Um, so after our um, big failed uh, test of becoming foster parents. It wasn't a failure. It just felt like failure, right? Okay. I went and I visited my parents and um, I, my, I literally was so depressed and upset that I, my parents were on vacation and they had a room where they each had, we all had twin beds and I slept for four days in a twin bed next to my parents at age 36. Like that's, that's where I was at. You know, I was like, I'm going to do this now <laughs> for a few days. Um, and I thought for sure my own parents would be like, you, sh- you guys should, you sure you don't want to do this fertility thing um, instead? And what my parents did say was, um, so when are you going to go work in social work? That's, that's, that was my parents' response after we, I spent this like week running away from here and coming back. So uh, I returned home and we got a phone call about a 14-year-old boy. And um, like I said, I was in a really not a great place. And um, we were told about this 14-year-old boy and I asked Todd, uh, or, or I said on the phone to the social worker, I said, um, I don't think my husband's ready to, to do that. 
That's what I said. But I'll ask him. Um, so I went to Todd, and I thought for sure Todd was going to say, Britton, you're in too bad of a place. Like, we're not going to do this. Like, look what, we barely just survived that. Like, and what Todd did say was, I'm still reeling a little bit from what we just went through, but I'm ready to meet someone new. Todd said that. Todd said, I'm ready to meet somebody new. So because I'm this person for three years, I like, I can't stand in front of my church and say that, I love kids and then be the person who's saying no to even meeting children, like potentially meeting children. So I told the social worker, I said, I, we're willing, we'll take the meeting, you know. If meeting children and making decisions is part of foster care, then I will practice that. I will practice saying no. Those were my exact words. I said, I will practice saying no. I, that's the place, that's the place I was in. Okay, so um, Todd and I went back to, to um, the children's center and um, we, this kid walks out, and he's 5'10", and to my husband works a lot, and I was like, we're home five nights a week. How alone? How is this going to work? And we spent five minutes with him, and we were like, yes, we, 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 want, we want this kid in our life. We want to be his people. Um, we have had incredible support from our church and, and friends, um, and uh, for example, um, Stacy bought him a, collected money and bought him a switch. And the, you think it's like a video game system, and it's so maybe he doesn't need it. But the switch has led to friends that he plays games with. Um, he joined gaming club at school, and he's taken a 3D animation class for gaming um, all in a year, just because of like a simple seemingly um, over-the-top gift. Um, he's made real friends here. He, you know, he's not a believer. He, this is his first time ex experiencing church, but he has made real friends here and real relationships here. And um, we, a few months back, we started talking about the future, and he said, um, you're going to miss me someday. We, he and I were talking, and I was like, and you know, I'm, this is my first time getting to be somebody's mom like of course I'm gonna miss him like I'm just like oh I hope that doesn't wreck me too you know inside I'm like oh okay I need to be okay when he leaves right and I said um uh of course I'll miss you I'll, I'll be okay but of course I'll miss you and he said you'll probably have other kids that you're gonna take care of right and um I was like oh you you think Todd and I should do this again and um he said yeah, that's what foster parents do. Um, and I said, oh, oh, yeah? And he's like, yeah. And um, kids need to meet Jonathan. <laughs> His exact words. He has fallen in love with Jonathan Lott, like our Jonathan, to the point where he thinks Todd and I need to foster other kids so that they can meet Jonathan. Or, like... How incredible is that? You know, this isn't, this isn't taught, just Todd and I's story, right? We, we couldn't have done this again without love and support, and we, we couldn't love him completely and give and offer him all that God has to offer him without you guys, because the family of God is what we have to offer him. Um, there are many, 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 many blogs books and resources about why Christians should be into orphan care. 
And, um, but we have, local we have local stories. And I reached out to a couple people who have relevant, impactful um, stories here. And here, I'm gonna read a couple quotes. We're almost done. Um, this is from Micah. Um, I asked him why people of faith should foster or adopt. He said, Foster, fostering or adopting allows us the opportunity to reflect the embracing nature of God in a way that, is un that uniquely mirrors our own salvation. If you think of it in terms of the Jews and the Gentiles, fostering allows us to bring the Gentiles of today into our literal family, into the literal family of God, and in a tangible and real way, show them love and the mercy um, show them showing love and mercy to the unloved, the outcasts, and the unwanted. Um, Micah is 30, and he's um, adopted. Um, I asked Cheyenne the same question. Why should people of faith become foster parents? Um, fosters, uh, Cheyenne is 20 years old, or 23, and she, um, she just knows. She knows about this. Um, she said, people of faith should become foster parents because they're imperfect, they realize they can never be like God, and that, and they don't want to be God. They want to follow God. They want to show their worth to God. They want to reciprocate God's love, and the biggest blessing a child in care can have is someone who has faith, someone who can show them the ropes, someone who can forgive them for their sins and love them as God's children, whether a parent for a child or a mentor for a teen, children need structure and rules. They need a curfew and a safe place. They need someone to talk to. For example, when I came to refuge, I was afraid. I hadn't been to church since I was 10 or so. I didn't know what would happen. Would the church accept me? Would they welcome me? When I finally started talking to people, I met the amazing Charing Grace. <laughs> I met their beautiful children. I met Carissa, a gorgeous, lovely lady who on my first day attending church prayed for me about my troubles. The first day she met me, she offered me love and acceptance without asking for anything in return. I've met so many amazing people, but I don't want to name them all. And I, um, I go to, but I do go to a Bible study at Nikolai and Allie's house. And when they welcome, uh, which they welcome anyone to who is in need, I see their gorgeous children in the house they have. The feeling of being able to go to a house that has love is highly significant for me because of the instability of my own home. Thank you, Refuge, for welcoming me. Um, I asked our 15-year-old, I said, why should people of faith become foster parents? And he said, it's kind of obvious. <laughs> Kids need parents. You could be a parent to a kid. Um, God's people above all other people have the most to offer the hurting, the broken, the abandoned, the neglected, and the abused. We are ambassadors of Christ. We're a loyal, his royal priesthood. We get to offer them grace and love and hope and family and not just our own families, but the family of God. Um, God doesn't just give us promises. He gives us each other. And this is something uh, so often in a Christian walk, we hold on to like our own promises from God or what we're, so, what we're supposed to be doing. But this is about what we're supposed to be doing the collective community of God working together towards common goals of helping others and um, showing the world 
who our God is. Um, I really hope this was informational and th that you have knowledge um, from our time, time this morning. Um, this is so much bigger even than this congregation. I don't expect, you know, half of you to run out and become foster parents. That's not, that's not the vision. The vision is that you would understand um, what the needs are in your community, that you'd be praying about how God might use you. You'd feel invited into that. And also that, you know, maybe the Lord would use you to help us in, introduce foster care ministry to another church or to, um, that you would become a support friend. Um, maybe, maybe Refuge doesn't raise up any foster parents, but we raise up support friends for other churches who have foster parents. You know, this isn't, one, one thing I want to be really, really clear about is that, um, I will never judge what, what you decide to do. You, you can't, um, just because you become a foster parent doesn't mean you'll be like on Britain's like top 10 list of favorite people, although that maybe that will happen. But um, we can still be friends if you don't care about foster care. <laughs> or maybe, I've literally had really close friends be like, are you mad at me because I'm not willing to become a foster parent? <laughs> I'm like, no, I didn't even think about it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I would ask that you would fill this out this morning. You would select anything that a interests you or has pricked your heart as maybe a step forward. Um, there's opportunities to pray. There's opportunities to volunteer. There's opportunities to give. There's opportunities to learn something new or support someone else. Um, thank you so much for your time. And um, this is one of my favorite places. I um, want to tell you just for a moment, I took a job with Foster the Bay um, as the North Bay Regional Director, and my part of my job is going to be doing things like this, like casting vision at churches, encouraging congregations to raise up foster parents and support friends, and one of the reasons I could say yes to that with confidence is because of the support of this group of people in this room. I feel super supported and encouraged and equipped and even if nothing else comes out this morning, I just thank you for the opportunity to be able to speak and practice and um, share my heart with you. Thank you. All right. So um, let's also just as we close out and transition into worship, let's, let's say a prayer just for Britain and for these different ministries, just going into the future that God would, would bless these endeavors. And so, Lord, we do just ask for that. Lord, we thank you so much again, just, Lord, how you've been leading Todd and Britain on this journey. And, Lord, um, Lord, yeah, you're just revealing, Lord, um, even this morning, Lord, you're at work in our county, and you're bringing us into what you're already doing. God, we're not making this stuff up. Um, but this is your heart and, and you leading us, Lord, just into your, um, your paths. Lord, you're lighting our way. And so we just thank you, God, for your kindness and your goodness and inviting us into your work. And Lord, we just pray, God, um, just for wide open doors, Lord, for just the goodness and kindness and grace of our Lord to be put on display, Lord, through your church. And Lord, we just pray, God, for Britain. Lord, she goes out, Lord, and uh, is an, an ambassador 
Lord, of the gospel to the different churches, inviting them into your work. Lord, would you bless her, anoint her, give her insights and just rich connections. Lord, we pray, God, that there would just be an overwhelming response of financial support and um, emotional uh, support, Lord, and just presence surrounding these different ministries, God. And so we pray, Lord, um, like the psalm or like the prophet said so long ago, Lord, we pray, God, that so, um, Sonoma County would be filled with the glory of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We pray this in your name. Amen. Mm. Amen.